a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're talking about preparing your home for the arrival of your baby. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about baby-proofing your home and making sure your outlets are covered and all the sharp edges are softened. I'm talking about creating an environment that encourages growth and honors the developmental stages of your baby. And this is seen through the Montessori lens. So my guest today is Jean-Marie Pinel, and she is a parenting mentor, a Montessori home consultant, and a doula supporting parents to confidently raise the next generation of good-hearted humans. She's the host of the Art of Parenting podcast and founder of Your Parenting Mentor, where she guides expectant parents, caregivers, and parents of young children to better prepare their homes and themselves for their children to thrive during their first six crucial years of life. We have a fantastic conversation. And in full disclosure, I drink the Montessori punch. Both my kids went to Montessori preschools. We took a lot of their offerings and brought them home. So this really resonated with me. And I really value what is being being discussed about sometimes we can get into the idea that we need to get more and more and more to better support our child's growth, but sometimes it's actually about being more simplistic and minimalistic and encouraging kids to be who they are and discover on their own and see things through where they are, literally getting down on the ground and seeing things from where they are. I'm really excited about you listening to this conversation. Before we get to that, just giving you some studio updates. So we continue to offer our online prenatal classes every day of the week. And as I'm recording this, we currently have nine in-studio classes, live classes. So we have it in the morning, we have the evening, on the weekends for our in-studio. We also currently have a class running in Brooklyn. So you can join us if you're in the New York area, join us online, join us, sorry, if you're in the New York area, you can join us in studio or join us online. It has been amazing to see 
where people are tuning in from. I love popping into postnatal class. We have a student that is regularly tuning in from Nicaragua. We have someone also postnatal in San Francisco, and we have some people in postnatal that are right up the street, but they're baby sleeping and they can't make it into class. So it's amazing to see how we have expanded beyond our four walls at the studio. So thanks for being part of the community for those who are continuously coming to class. And I'm excited to meet listeners that haven't made it into class yet. I'm looking forward to someday meeting you. So that's what's going on with our classes. And then we have a couple more teacher trainings left for this year. So we, well, I always think in the school year. So we're finishing off our winter online teacher training, but then we are going to do an in-person teacher training in March and April. That's prenatal. And then we're doing an online postnatal teacher training. I only do this once a year. And we go deep into the anatomy. We understand the pelvic floor and the healing process from vaginal birth and cesarean. We talk about diastasis recti. We talk about the parts of the postpartum body that need support. And then of course, the emotional side. I have an amazing uh, person coming in, Paige Bellenbaum. She runs the Motherhood Center talking about the emotional side of mental health, uh, the maternal mental health side. So it's really a a wonderful, wonderful course online. And then starting up in the fall, we have another in-person in New York City teacher training, and then we go back online. So if any of this is calling out to you, check everything out on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. And then the last thing is I have a free offering for everyone. So you can go to our website and grab your downloadable five simple solutions to most common see pregnancy and postpartum pains. And that way when you can't make it to class, you can still take care of yourself because that's really important that you feel as best you can. There's ups and downs, but let us try to help support you so that you can get to where you need to go today. All right. That is enough of me. We're going to take a super quick break. When we come back, please enjoy this conversation. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Mosmo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Mosmo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Mosmo Signal Extraction Technology, or set to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Mosmo Set as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Mosmo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, how are you? I am you? good, Deb. Happy to be here with you. Thank you. So I'm all about full transparency to our community. So community, I just had the honor of being on Jen Marie's um, podcast, and now we flipped it around. <laughs> she's the guest. So I, for the last hour, I got to chat with her, and she's delicious. So you guys are going to very much enjoy this conversation. So thanks for being my guest. Yeah, I'm really no, and excited. This, this, is, this is fun. I was actually telling a girlfriend this morning, I'm excited. I get to interview somebody, and then they get to interview me. So it's 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 wonderful. It just makes I total know. sense. I love so that. that's great. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we yes, get to know yes. each other a bit. 
So we are talking about something that is so near and dear. I love talking about Montessori because both my kids did Montessori schools and I went to a preschool and I was a Montessori preschool. And what the topic about preparing your home and, and oneself to welcome a child and doing it with a Montessori philosophy, it's fascinating. So this is going to be great. But I guess before we get into that, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and what led you to being a parenting mentor, a Montessori home consultant, and your newest uh, endeavor, a doula? Well, uh, long story short, around uh, 43 years of age, I was living in the U.S. Uh, with my French husband, two young children, and um we were in this moment in our lives of transition, whether we were going to go back to Europe or not. We had just spent about a week actually in Barcelona where uh, my husband had a lot of um, job interviews. They were, you know, really willing to hire him and such. And at the time, I was also a graphic designer and had been for about 20 years. That's where we met in um advertising agency in Paris. And I realized when I got home, I was like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. This is not like fulfilling and really had to have a, you know, long, hard talk with myself of like, well, what is it that you want to be doing? And this voice of which happened to be my mother's voice who had passed a few years uh, prior was really, you know, you're meant to work with children. And it's true that I had always had a love for children. I'm always that, you know, strange uh, family member that's on the floor playing with the children or who's, you know, more than happy to hold your baby for you and such. And, and this from a very young age. So on a day where I wasn't working, I had kind of um, asked to have a Monday, I think it was a Monday, a month off so that I could kind of, you know, be a, a parent and, and run a household and, and all of that. And so on one of those first Mondays, I called uh, the Montessori Institute here in San Diego, thinking that it was kind of a like a university where there would be a, you know, a winter semester or something. And so I was inquiring about, you know, what what it would take. And I had also called a school in France to see if this was a diploma that was recognized and they went, oh, yes, yes, you know, great. And when I called the school, they told me, oh, well, no, this is, you know, this is a full year study and we just actually started last week. Uh, but if you'd like, you know, come in tomorrow morning and meet the director and, you know, kind of see what happens. Well, when I hung up that phone, I knew that my life was, was taking a big turn. Like it's, <laughs> it's one of those, you know, gut feelings that you have like, oh shit, what have I gotten myself into? And sure enough, <laughs> you know, I walked into the director's office at eight o'clock that next morning and it was as if it was like an out of body experience. Like this is where I am meant to be. It was, it was very bizarre, but very strong. She asked me, you know, why am I here? And I said, well, I truly believe that children are way more capable than we give them credit for. 
And she said, oh, you're come to the right place and invited me to sit in on the lecture that she was about to give, which just happened to be all about uh, movement development and uh, the importance of freedom of movement and such. And it just it was just music to my ear. And I literally went back to work. I had, you know, I had given them a notice that I'd be in a little late that day and gave my two weeks notice and said, I'm going back to school. And, and that was it. And, you know, from that day forward, I went back, uh, did a Montessori, uh, diploma and also did a master's in Montessori education. Then went back several years later to do another, uh, Montessori diploma so that now I am trained from birth to six years. Um, and, and voila. And so, why a parenting mentor? That came after being in the classroom for about five years. And I think because I was an older guide, so in Montessori, we call ourselves guides, not teachers. Um, I was an older guide. I had my own children. Parents tended to gravitate towards me and ask me so many questions. And really, they were at a loss as to why their children were so different in the Montessori environment than they were at home. And that's when it all clicked for me. It's like, this is like such important information that parents need to have. Like it's, it's, you know, we shouldn't be keeping it only to the, to the educators. This is like, information I wish I had known as, you know, a, a parent before giving birth and, and right after and so forth. So I just, um, I ended up leaving the classroom and starting my own business to be really a Montessori parenting, um, you know, expert and advocate to really help parents understand what it means to uh, prepare ourselves to be parents, right? In Montessori, we talk a lot about the prepared adult, which is, you know, mm-hmm. us doing the training to understand uh, human development, the material setting up the environment. But it's really almost like a spiritual preparation, right? It's about knowing how to be in the presence of these divine little human beings. And so I've just really devoted my my time and energy to to supporting parents and encouraging parents to prepare themselves and their homes for the arrival of their little ones. Well, this is perfect because we're going to dive right into that. But you've mentioned several yes. times Montessori. And for those that are thinking, well, I've heard that before, you know, it can be on some toys or just like conversation about preschools and philosophies, but they may not know exactly what that is. So what is the Montessori philosophy? So first of all, uh, Montessori is the name of a uh, woman, Dr. Maria Montessori, first woman uh, European woman, one of the first wo- European women allowed to go to medical school. So uh, a pioneer in my eyes, a, a true feminist. Uh, she ended up studying, you know, psychology, anthropology. I mean, she did a lot for women's rights and a lot, a lot for children's rights at the time because she was born uh, more than 150 years ago. And so things have evolved. But from her medical kind of knowledge and expertise and 
uh, her approach of really being, you know, quote unquote, this scientific observer, she really devoted her life to understanding human development, but from the time of birth, because before her, you know, children were to be seen and not heard. They were, you know, these empty vessels that we needed to fill up with knowledge. But we did not realize how, you know, amazing and powerful their brain is from the time of birth and especially those first six years of life. Yeah, they, they observe, observe everything. everything. And she is the one that coined uh, what we call today the absorbent mind, which is that the state that the brain is in those first six years, which is truly a sponge where they are absorbing everything, the good, the bad, everything. Um, and so she developed um, from that she was asked to come and take care of a group of children uh, in this working class neighborhood in Rome. This was a, a refurbished uh, buildings, but both parents were working outside the home. The children were kind of left to their to their own. It was getting a little messy. Uh, and the I think it was the, the promoter, you know, asked like, Dr. You know, Montessori, come do something about these children. And she gathered them into, which was a ground floor apartment, and transformed this, this apartment into what we call today the prepared environment. So basically what that means is that she created a space that was to their size, to adapted for their needs. And these children showed the world how capable they were if we just gave them some, some time, some love and just, you know, prepared an environment for them. And so she says, you know, she was, she never had the intention to, to become an educator, but from this discovery, she really, you know, honed in on it and observed and, created a lot of didactic material that we use today. She then later worked with her son to create even more material. And so the Montessori method today, and we, and, and I will have to say that it has never been copyrighted. So there's, you know, Montessori and there's Monta something. So, you know, be, 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 be aware that it's not like a, a protected, but the, the idea really is that it is child driven because we are all born with the need to learn, to adapt, and we're just curious, you know, beings. So we're really following the child and what their inner, inner life force is asking them to master at any, any given time, right? And so it's really about following the child as opposed to our more conventional educational methods, which are really adult driven. The adult is deciding what the children need to learn. And so here we're kind of flipping that on, on its head. And what is fascinating with that is that in the Montessori curriculum, the child, the young child will go way, way, way beyond any expectations that we have in conventional education. Uh, and, and I've witnessed this with my own eyes. It is, it is just amazing because the curriculum, you know, really has the, the, 
you know, language and mathematics, but we go into biology and geography and music and, and so forth so that the, the child is just absorbing just so much information with, with just ease and joy because that's the power of the brain at that time of their life. Um, that's if I remember very tactile. Exactly. Because it's experiential, yeah. right? It's about like all yeah. of the math and the, 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 even the language were done with exactly different rods exactly. and different cylinders exactly. and different. Yeah. It, I, I actually loved it. It was my son has ADHD and I thought it was the best. I mean, we didn't know that at the age of putting him in preschool, but in hindsight, I could see how that really spoke to something on beyond the like, quote unquote traditional that it really is child driven. I remember the, the preschool Morningside Montessori had different sections. Like here's the reading section, here's the art section. And they, they had little things on trays mm-hmm. that they called their work and they take it out and they learn to respect others. When you're done with your work, you put it back for someone else that may want yes. to use that work. I, I think it is so well thought out and really creates thoughtful community living. Definitely. And, and, really and one of the me. beauty with, you know, within the, the, the traditional, you know, Montessori environments is that there are mixed age groups. So, you know, yes. the fact that your son was able to be with children that were younger than him and older than him makes it that we're able to live in a real society. I mean, who wants to be with only people their age, right? But that's what conventional education has us do is, is, you know, put these children in, in rooms with only children their age, which really makes no sense because you're not learning from the, your older, you know, friends and you're not able to show your younger friends how to, to use something. So that's a, another aspect. But yes, you were talking about, you know, uh, trays and things like that. And it's very much, um, the beauty of Montessori is, is first of all, it really goes from birth through adolescence. I think one of the misconceptions is that Montessori is only for preschoolers, but it really is, uh, from birth through adolescence. There's a whole curriculum. And each, each age group is going to have a kind of a different looking environment because she observed that they had different needs, right? So your, your son in preschool was in this phase where they just are in their own bubble. They're very egocentric. They just want to work independently. Well, later on, they become social beings and they want to do, you know, group projects. So the, the classrooms kind of start changing. And that's that whole idea of the prepared environment. So let's actually talk about how does the Montessori philosophy show up and how we parent? Well, <laughs> that is, that is to me, the beauty of how we can adapt this to our homes. So for one, we're going to look at our home from the child's perspective, right? We, we live in very, right adult-centric environments. I mean, you know, look around your home. Where's your, where's the artwork? The artwork is at your visual level. Well, actually we, we 
we've because starting Montessori for when my son was two. Exactly. We followed what they said is we put, we put little mm-hmm. cubbies down low for him to grab exactly. some cereal or snacks and all our art supplies are low and they have little tables. So I guess I was doing some Montessori parenting because, without realizing it. I right, was and just you were, you were following said. what, you know, what you were seeing in the classroom. So, so and you were seeing was, how, yeah. you know, how he loved that. And, and that's actually a question that I get often with parents is, you know, they've just started a Montessori school, but they realize that their environment isn't set up the same and, and, and such. And I know that, that that was a lot of the questions that I was getting from the parents was that they were realizing that their child was, was completely different at home. And to me, it was, well, because here they're able to do everything for themselves. It's been set up that way. Yeah. And at home, they have to ask you for everything or they can't reach things or you have to pick them up to wash their hands or, you know, all of this that we don't really think about, but those are all details that are, are, you know, hindering their, their kind of uh, development and, and kind of their self-esteem and their, their, their dignity and independence. independence. So it's a big thing of how we look at the environment. And so I, you know, often encourage parents who are, you know, maybe expecting, you know, maybe not mom who's, who's far along, but dad can do this is to get down and crawl around, like really see it from the perspective of where your child is going to be seeing the environment, right? Because they're going to be low to the ground. So we keep things very simple. And one thing that, especially for the newborns, we want to try to kind of have very specific points of reference uh, in the home. So basically we're, we're thinking about four major areas, which are the, the sleeping area, the feeding area, the physical care, and then the movement area. And so why we're doing this is that we're giving them a space that is, is going to be kind of always the same place for them to know what to expect. And this is very reassuring to them, right? It's this giving them the sense of order is if we're always putting them to bed in a certain area, well, they know that this is where I get to relax and and go to sleep, right? Or if in the feeding area or, or the physical care area. And so I don't know if you want me to go into details into those four areas, but that's really okay. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So, because if they, we're thinking about preparing a house for baby, let's yeah. let's okay. listeners grab their pen and paper and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> prepare. So, so basically, um, you know, we're so I, I was saying it's like these these points of reference and. When I say points of reference, it's, it's similar to, for example, when a newborn, you know, their, their, their hands are their points of reference because they've had their, they've had their hands close to their face, you know, most of their, uh, prenatal life. And so that's, that's kind of a reminder of, of, you know, I'm still the same person. I still have that point of reference. So now that they're in, on the outside, we kind of want to create this sense of security at home. And so the sleeping area, and this might sound funny to some of you and some of you have, might have already heard it, but in Montessori, we actually do not use a crib. We use what we call a floor bed. And this is simply what it sounds like. It is a mattress 
on the ground or now there's actually companies that have, um, you know, who, who make very nice little bed frames, but basically it is very low to the ground. Because as I said, you know, they're, they're, they're down low. And this idea is that we want natural development, natural movement development to occur on its own. And the idea of putting a child in a crib, which is a box, <laughs> is not something that the child can do for themselves. They are entirely dependent on us reading their cues of, oh, you must be sleepy, I need to put you in your crib. And when they are rested and want to get out of their crib, well, they have to, you know, cry for help, like, get me out of here. So here we are from the very beginning, we are trusting, we are trusting ourselves, we are trusting the child's uh, knowledge and, and, and instinct that if we set them down on a mattress low to the ground, yes, they might, you know, kind of slither over to the edge, but they will feel that there is an edge and they will slither right back. And yes, they might roll off, but you know what? That is also a way that they will learn that staying on the mattress is way more comfortable. Uh, so this, you know, we don't do this maybe right away as a newborn. We might still use a bassinet and we might put maybe, I like to use the, the Moses baskets, for example, and we might still put the Moses basket on that mattress. So again, they have this visual sense of, oh, this is where I get to relax and fall asleep. And the beauty with this is if you trust the process, is that when the child is mobile, so when they start crawling and such, they will know where to go when they are feeling tired. And when they are ready to wake up, they will know how to get off and go get a little book or come get you or whatever it is. So that's that's a big one is is that. That's a lot it's of a trust. It's a huge amount of trust. <laughs> That is a big jump into the process. I will say we did not do that. Um, I, my, I do remember my son, I don't remember what age it was, where he learned to jump out of his crib and where he heard a thump and heard, ta-da, and he figured out how to go in and out, which is which was its own yeah. surprise. Um, but he also, when he figured that out, he also would start roaming around our house right. at a young age. So that was a little, little scary. Um, cause we're afraid he was going to like walk out of the apartment in New York yeah. city. Yeah. Um, but I do hear, I do hear the idea of trust. I want to keep going into the other areas. We're going to take a quick break. So that was the sleep area and there's three more. So let's come back from a quick break. And if you can go into the others, we'll be right back. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. We are back. So I hope I didn't cut you off from the sleep area, but um, was there anything more you no, wanted to I say about that? No, I think that was that was it. Like really, you know, do your research. Look up what a floor bed entails. And, and like you were saying, yes, it is a lot of trust and the idea, though, is that if you're going to do a floor bed, your entire room becomes a safe kind of crib because we have to remember that the crib right. is a 19th century invention to appease the parents more than anything, right? It is not developmentally appropriate. It's just to, to you know, for us to feel safe, like we're putting our child in a container Totally. I totally get that. And I feel like I did, I did fall into that. I felt safe. Do you, and I have a question about that. So the whole room I can imagine, and we, we did do this. We made sure the whole room was accessible and everything was safe. What about is the child, is the door available for them? Like you don't lock the door so they could just like wander out or do what, what's the, what's the boundary so they don't just like, so first of all, it's going to take them quite a bit of time before they can reach that doorknob. Okay. So we've got time before that all happens. Uh, And that again is very personal. Some families like to close the door to the bedroom. Some families like to just put a baby gate. Um, It really kind of depends on, on what feels good. I have seen floor beds um, kind of in the parent's room too. I mean, I've been in homes when it's just a, a sleeping room and it was just, you know, like several mattresses on the floor and it was just floor beds for everybody. Uh, so it really depends. But okay. it's just this idea that we're really following their, their, their lead in a way where, where we have to trust their natural development and that they're, they're going to figure things out. And honestly, for me, I would rather them learn how to get in and out of their own bed that is low to the ground than figure out and kind of fall. My son exactly. jumping out. <laughs> and, 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 and you were lucky that he was able to jump out and not like fall out because I mean, there's, there's, you know, kind of, accidents that happen of, of children when they, you know, learn that they can kind of climb out, they, they're falling from high up there. So you're, no, you you're know, absolutely so, right. And the funny thing is he's still rock climbing now. Like that's his hobby. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, and it's not, the thing is, is, you know, it's not, doesn't have to be that way. Like you, you know, you're not a good or bad Montessori parent if you have a floor bed or not. It's just, this is one of the concepts is really, and, and the, the beauty of it too is that, you know, when they, they are walking. So after a year, they, they learn to like fold their cover and put it, you know, on their bed and they just, it's their environment, right? So we've, we've created an right. environment that's appropriate for, uh, their development. 
So that's the sleeping, that's a sleeping area. Let's keep yeah. going. So what the feeding the area is really, you know, at the beginning, whether you are um, breastfeeding or bottle feeding, for me, it's uh area that needs to be very comfortable and relaxing for the caregiver, uh, that you have everything at arm's reach, that you are, you know, relaxed. This is a moment where you're really connecting with your child. Um, so important that it's, you know, it's nice and cozy. This will evolve when the child starts being interested in solid foods. We often like to use what we call a weaning table, which is really a very low table with a little weaning chair, so very low chair. Their feet are on the ground and they're starting to have a very different experience and we have a different relationship around food because we're we're kind of sitting with them and we're you know they're no longer on us and 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 breastfeeding but we're kind of across from them and and having that socialization that comes around feeding um you know, if you don't have space, I like to use the, the high chairs now that are, that are adapted to come to our table. Um, I don't like to mm-hmm. keep a child kind of on a high chair with a tray, you know, isolated. I, I really encourage from the very beginning to have family meals. Um, the sooner the better to, to really be able to have that social aspect around food. So that's, that's kind of the feeding area. The physical care area, again, at the beginning is very much, um, I want it to be comfortable for the caregivers. Uh, so whether, you know, you want to be doing standing or you want to have it low to the ground, it really doesn't matter. Like you really have to think of what's going to make sense for you. The one thing that I do like to keep, um, you aware is that oftentimes like what the changing tables that we see today are often like pushed up against the wall and we tend to care for our children just on one side of their bodies. So here I would really ask you to be aware, like, can you change your body position so you are forward facing, so you are facing your child or change the orientation of the changing table so that you're looking at them, you know, straight in the eyes that both sides of the body are getting equal uh, pressure that we're not asking them to like turn their necks uh, uh, to, to see us and such. And, you know, think of it like when you go to get a massage, like you don't want the massage table to be pushed up against the wall and only get a lopsided massage. You want a full body massage. So yeah. it's really the same thing. And, you know, and I know sometimes it's for space, but just the other day I went to, uh, you know, the, a home to, to see my, um, doula client and they showed me their nursery. And that was just one little detail, you know, that I, and it just made total sense to them because we need to be caring for them, you know, their entire body. So that would be one thing. And so that physical care area, again, it starts out being very, you know, adult centric where we have to have everything at arm's reach. Uh, but then it is slowly going to become a self-care area where we're really going to adapt it for the child 
to care for their own bodily needs. So the whole toilet learning area, the whole, you know, washing our face, washing our hands and all that, really looking at our environment of like, how can I make it accessible to them uh, as opposed to, you know, having to pick up your child for them to wash their hands, which, you know, I still see today a lot as opposed to just putting a little step stool in front of the sink so that they can they can reach. So thank you. Yeah, I feel like I don't know a, a single person has a toddler that doesn't have the step stool. It just makes it's it easier, easier for, everyone. for everyone. But you would be surprised at how many homes I go into where that does not exist. Like they're they're still you know, and and it's just it's just an awareness. It's all it's it seems like, you know, adults think that they need to do everything for their children. Um, and I really want to tell you, no, you do not. And you're actually doing them a disservice by doing everything for them. Yes. So you know, really look yes. at your home, like, how can I make it? And to me, I, I, I always think of it like, think of it as having, um, you know, a cherished family relative that is coming and going to stay with you for a little bit. Like you, you, you take the time to rearrange that guest room. You, you know, you, you make it nice. You get some flowers or whatever. And, and especially if maybe that relative has some special physical needs, you're going to move furniture out of the way and such. Well, this is the same thing, except, you know, your baby's going to be staying around for quite some time, but, <laughs> and you're just, you know, you're, you're continuously adapting the environment because their, their needs are going to change, especially that first year. There's always something new and you're always kind of looking at the environment from their perspective. I absolutely love it. And I love the idea of what you're saying, get on the floor and see what is their height. And I still remember setting up, as I mentioned, like a little mm -hmm, snack area mm -hmm. for my son that was a little shelf, had a few of these little plastic bowls and uh, maybe they were, yeah, they were these orange plastic bowls and then some like cereal or just some, obviously not with milk, but because it was not in the refrigerator, but it was just something he could scoop for himself and have a snack. And I know he felt really proud of himself that he could right, do that. Right. So let's talk about how does the home environment affect a child's behavior? Well, um, I'm just going to backtrack just a little bit because there was just one more area, sure. which was the movement. No, no, that's oh, okay. I'm sorry. Did I miss one? Movement oh, I area, I like sorry about major that. one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't that, believe I forgot that. That, that. Yes, is I'm really the idea that, you know, movement is life. Movement happen yes. in utero and will happen until our last breath. And that in the Montessori approach, we really let movement develop naturally. So we're going to avoid propping our children up. We're going to avoid putting our children in contraptions that they cannot get themselves in or get themselves out, such as the exosaucers or the walkers or all of that. So it's very, um, it's actually a lot simpler because you don't need to get any of that. And really the idea here is that you have maybe a thin futon or a mat on the floor, preferably up against a wall where you can put a low mirror that is from the ground up to, you know, maybe 
just, uh, I, I want to say in, in centimeters, it's like 25 centimeters, but maybe two feet uh, from the ground up. And so this mirror is really giving them kind of information about their, their body scheme and, and, and their, their intrigue. They don't recognize themselves, but they, it's, it kind of gives them this want to move towards there. Um, and that's it. That's, mm-hmm. you don't need, you know, a big playpen or anything, but you have created a safe environment in your entire home, right? You've gotten down on the floor. You know where, what things you need to get out of the way. And I just want to say this is temporary. This is just for a few months, right? This is that the environment will, will evolve. You'll get all your adult things back on the coffee table one day. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's temporary, but so it's, it's, a it's a mat on the floor, a mirror. Once the child starts sitting on their own and here it's really on their own, their arms are going to be free and they're going to want to start to reach there. So we uh, put what we call a coordination bar in front of the mirror and you as a dancer, you appreciate this because it's very much like a, the ballet bar. Yeah, exactly. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they pull up on it. So here again, this is a natural occurrence, right? They are driven by this life force to get up on two feet. And, uh, and so they'll pull up and they get up on their feet and they see themselves in the mirror standing. And it is the most joyful thing, uh, to witness when they realize that they can do this on their own. And then they're going to use this bar to kind of, you know, go back and forth. And, and one day they will let go of it and, and, and walk. And, you know, the, the entire home becomes their movement area once they start crawling, but we're, we're making it safe so that, you know, there's maybe cupboards that they can open and get things out of and even go in if they need to or want to or, uh, but, uh, but yeah, movement, movement happens naturally and we, we trust the process. That makes so much sense. So by going through all four of those areas, you can really see the developmental mm-hmm. stages and, and also how the family interacts yes. together. Yes. That is, I really, I really like, I like how you explain that. So now yes. back to my questions of how does the home environment affect the child's behavior? And as I ask that immediately, I'm like, well, they just seem my, I'm almost answering it in my own brain of like, they seem like they'd be more confident and more grounded because they're in a space that's meant for exactly. them to thrive. Exactly, because the the home has been prepared for their one and only task, which is adaptation. They need to adapt to their time, place, and culture. And if we have, you know, intentionally prepared the environment for them to be able to do this with ease, well, they're they're just, you know, very chill and they 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 know that they they're they're in a safe environment that they can explore you know safely and so forth and remembering that our children when they are newborns you know one of their basic need is this sense of love and security which gives them trust in the world Right. We, we, we stand on two psychological legs. One being trust in the world. The other one being trust in ourselves. 
And if we have set up an environment where they can trust themselves, then, you know, they're, they're, they're a lot more inclined to have that confidence and so forth as they, they go out into the world. The so yeah. that's a no, I, and I was just going to add that that another aspect to me about preparing the environment that is that is really critical is to keep it um, really minimalist. I, I like to say. That's what I was just <laughs> about to ask about that because I was thinking about my very first apartment with my son. We moved and we had my daughter mm-hmm. to a bigger place, but it was this 550 square foot one bedroom in the heart of Upper West Sides. We did not have a lot of stuff. So I, I also hate clutter and it just, it makes me crazy. So I, as much as I could, did not take in a lot of baby stuff, but I felt like people were always gifting us more mm-hmm. baby stuff, baby stuff. And it just feels like it was inundating my brain space in my house. So how can people, as you were going into the idea of simplifying and minimizing, but babies do require some extra stuff out. Can you talk but a little bit about that? But unfortunately they don't. That's, that's, that's the baby industry that has, you know, convinced you that they need Well, we needed a stroller. So that had to find its way in the house. Um, because I had a challenging birth. I could okay. not wear him okay. very easily. So wearing him was too much for my pelvic floor. So I did need a stroller. Um, and then depending on where I was going, depending on the kind of stroller. And then we, we didn't actually have, like you said, a big changing table. We had a changing pad, but it was too high for me because I'm short. So I actually mm-hmm, used the mm-hmm. bed, which kind of said exactly what you said, like looking straight on. Um, and then I had a little, play mat on the floor. But that sounds pretty him. minimal to so, compare to all the, excuse my language, but crap that, you yeah. know, they, they, that the baby industry will have you believe that you, you need, right? You, you, you don't like look at your space and, and you said something like very important. You said that clutter, you know, fogs drives you crazy. So, so <laughs> you as a grown woman, it drives you crazy. Imagine in the body of a tiny little person, what it does to them. I would think overstimulate. It is, it is disorienting. It overstimulates the newborn and the the young child is just trying to make sense of their world, right? So if we're cluttering it, it's very chaotic. It's like it's overwhelming. So we want to keep it simple. And the other reason we keep it simple is Dr. Montessori, um, kind of developed this theory of children have sensitive periods that they go through where they are very focused on certain areas of their development, such as movement or language. And order is actually one of those sensitive periods that they have as uh, very young, so that the first six years, but but the first three are more critical. And this explains why, you know, a child who has kind of a, you know, regular routine, and God forbid you change that routine without letting them know, they have a full out, you know, meltdown because you have messed with their order. And so if we know that ahead of time, we're going to create a space that is very simple and orderly and they can visually see where everything is and they know where things go back and it's just not 
cluttered. So that's why I always say, you know, minimize, like don't, you don't need to accept everything or, you know, you can say, oh, thank you. And then <laughs> put it away, give it away, whatever. Or you don't need to put everything out at the same time. You know, even, even, you know, if you have a toddler and you get a uh, box of, you know, building blocks, for example, you don't need to put all of them out. Like that's too much for them. You can just put a little basket with a few for them to master the skills of, you know, putting one block on top of the other and so forth. Later on, you might get a bigger basket and put more in. But what I'm saying is that you can definitely curate the environment for it to be very um, aesthetically pleasing to you and orderly and just, you know, kind of minimize the, the clutter for everybody. Yeah, no, I definitely relate to that. I really couldn't stand half the stuff. But can you take a moment to talk about toys? I feel like that's another place that it can get to be too much. Like little, little babies don't need a ton of bright sound toys. What, where would you, how would you encourage pregnant parents right now to think about what to have for stimulation or whatever toys in the beginning. So again, I will say minimize because you literally do not mm-hmm. need anything uh, toy wise, right? Especially for, for the newborn. The newborn is fascinated by your face, <laughs> by your voice, by. So books, books are books wonderful. Are uh, we in, in, in the Montessori, um, kind of, you know, quote unquote curriculum, you might say, uh, for a newborn, we kind of expect that there's maybe a, a two week transition after birth where, you know, some, ch- some babies will be more alert than others, but you know, that, that two week period, they might not, you know, some, some don't even literally don't even open their eyes. But the first thing that is going to kind of need quote unquote stimulation is the visual sense. So uh, high contrast um, mobile, for example, just black and white or those little black and white, uh, you know, images that we see but they don't need all that much, right? And so at first it's really about just different types of mobiles. So we start with a black and white, then we go to primary colors, uh, then we go to a gradation of colors and then more organic shapes. And then later around three months or so are mobiles that they can grab onto because they start having kind of intentional movements where they start wanting to hold on to something. So we're really just following that natural development. But you are right when you say, you know, no bright colors and everything. I always say, please avoid any battery operated noise making toys Mm -hmm. and I promise you will thank me for this one because <laughs> I think that's just as much exactly. for the parent. I think it's for so sure. annoying. Oh, oh it's my so gosh. terrible. And they the do. thing with those is that they really uh kind of first of all overstimulate, but they oftentimes interrupt the concentration that the child is in. So that's to me that is like the main thing, if there's anything that you, you know, take from this uh, interview is this idea that you as the parent need to protect your child's concentration. This is when 
connections are being made in the brain. So even if you do not understand what it is that they're focused on, sometimes they're just, you know, staring at the fan and, but they're, they're staring at it. They're, they're, they're trying to make sense of it. We let them be in that flow. And it's, it's only when we observe that they come out of it. Maybe they look at us. Maybe they, we see an expression that we can say, Oh, you were looking at the fan. That's, you know, that's a fan <laughs> or, or whatever it is. Right. Um, but it's true that for me that you don't need that many toys, right? At that, you know, at first, like even, Putting your child, uh, on the floor, on a mat, like under a nice plant, that's going to be enough to keep them entertained and engaged because their visual sense is, is still developing after birth. Uh, so is their auditory sense. So you don't want to have too loud of noises. Uh, you know, your singing, your voice, that is the best stimulation that you can give them. And then as they go forward, I tend to err on just saying, you know, natural material toys, wood, leather, um, you know, metals, uh, different, different textiles, but I tend to avoid anything that is plastic. Uh, you know, oftentimes we don't know where the plastic is coming from. It's made from, you know, it's, it's not natural. Uh, so I prefer natural made toys. And the reason there is that the child is a sensorial learner, especially those first three years. They are learning with their senses. Yeah, it's be in they their put mouth. everything in their mouth because they need to make sense of the world. So if we give them, you know, these plasticky toys that are basically all have the same kind of sensation, same smell and all that, they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're like sensorial vocabulary isn't really developing because it's all the same. So I prefer, you know, giving them things that we already have in the house. Um, you know, like a, a simple thing is, uh, for example, like, you know, those uh, where we put the paper towels, like those wooden dowels. Well, you can have mm-hmm. one of those and your, your big uh, bracelets, for example, and they just Put them on that. Like that's just a, you know, eye hand coordination. You don't need to go out and buy anything. You probably already have a lot of different things around your home that they can be using. Um, even like little, uh, boxes and, and purses and, and things like that. They love opening and closing those. You probably have a few <laughs> laying around that you yeah. forgot about. Like those are great, right? So. I like to help families see what they already have, then go out and and buy stuff. And the best thing about that, again, it helps with the clutter. And then it also helps with, say you have another child, you can save for that child. But when you're done having kids, then you have all this extraneous yes. stuff. Yes. You're thinking, yep. now what do I do? So it just saves on the waste and and getting rid of. So I think these are great ideas. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, will you think of one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? We'll be right back. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 
Okay. So you've got so much experience helping parents through the Montessori work as a doula. What would you like to leave with our listeners? Um, that it is important to trust yourself first and foremost and to trust the unfolding of your child, that this is a natural development and that we really I think have to regain that, that instinct, instinct that I think we have in us and to really, your child is unique. You are unique. Your family is unique. What does my child need from me? And to trust that you have the answer within you, uh, would be, would be one thing. And for that to really develop, I think it is very important for us to hone in on this skill of observing of observing ourselves, of observing our environment, but observing our child without judgment, without expectations, without comparison, but just taking note of what it is they are doing, what it is that they might be curious about so that we can follow their lead and and just feed that curiosity. So trust and observation would be the two main things. Oh, so wonderful. Where can people find your work? So I have a website, yourparentingmentor.com, uh, and that's where I have most of my things. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram at uh, Jeanne-Marie Penel, and I also have a podcast called The Art of Parenting, where you will be a lovely guest on soon. So so those are <laughs> kind of where, where the three places I, I tend to be at. And of course, we're going to have all of that in our show notes. So you can listen to the podcast. You can check out Jean-Marie from our, um, from her uh, Instagram and from her website. She's got great things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've so enjoyed this conversation. You just sparked joy within me Aww. hearing that. And just, I'm so excited for the parents that are already raising young children or parent to be about, just offering this rich ground of supporting their kids as they grow. So thank you for the work you do. Thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.